Hello and welcome to What on Earth, the podcast of the Environmental Investigation Agency, or EIA. As an organisation, we built a global reputation for our undercover work, with investigators variously posing as illegal wildlife traffickers or dealers in dodgy timber to engage with, draw out and expose environmental criminals. What's probably less well known is the tireless and exacting work done behind the scenes by our intelligence team. And today we get to talk with them about what they do and why it's integral to our success. I'm Paul Newman, EIA's Press and Communications Officer, and today I'm joined by Mel, our Senior Intelligence Analyst, and her two colleagues, Intelligence Analysts Martina and Dinitza, whose full identities we need to protect for security reasons. Welcome all, and thanks for taking the time to share your thoughts with us. Hello, Paul. Okay, to start us off, Mel, could you give us a general idea of what it is that you and your team actually do? So the main job of an Intel analyst is to try and make sense of all the different types of information that we get in and put it into a really easy format to make it easy for someone to understand. So to do this, um, we turn all of the information that's collected in all the different formats into one standardised format that means we can analyse it. And we use the UK law enforcement standard to, to grade that information into an intelligence report. And this is looking at the accuracy and the reliability of it. So where did that information come from in the first place? And do we think that it, it that it's true? And that grading also helps us to dictate the sharing and use of that information, which is obviously quite important when we have sensitive sources that we want to protect. So once all that information is standardised, um, it's then analysed by us, um, looking at what's happened and, and why. Um, what does that information mean? What's that bigger picture? And then we'll make inferences on that, the situation and recommendations of what to do next. So it could be looking at an issue like the illegal logging trade, or it could be looking at a specific network of people or companies that we would call organised crime groups, and then um, making decisions around what's the next step for EIA. Excellent. And, and how did the three of you come to work in intelligence in the first place? By, by which I mean, you know, what previous experience or skills do you need to become an intelligence analyst? Well, we've all come from slightly different backgrounds, which uh, complement each other, but um, those include UK policing um, and organised crime, um, environmental enforcement and regulation, uh, independent strategic analysis organisations and, and research organisations. But I would say the main skills that are needed would be um, a love of data. There's a lot of data to, to analyze. A, a, a foregone conclusion. <laughs> yep. Um, you really need to love spreadsheets and um, looking at all different types of information and trying to look at that detail. Attention to detail is really important because sometimes it might be the smallest bit of that information that will help link together a whole network of people or that will help make um, us understand the whole issue. So having Good quality open source research skills is really important as well so that we can corroborate anything that, that we find and to help fill gaps. And a lot of our results within EIA, um, in, within the Intel team within EIA, is around the results from law enforcement investigations. So we're looking for arrests and, and prosecutions. So having some kind of knowledge around how uh, law enforcement might run an investigation is quite useful in our team because it means we can put forward um, recommendations for opportunities to develop that information and how we know a law enforcement agency might view it 
for when we share it with them. Um, and obviously having a really keen interest in tackling environmental crime is pretty key as I think it's got to be um, a key thing to be passionate about what you do in order to be a really good analyst and be able to look through and trawl through lots of data. Excellent stuff. Um, Denitza, if I could turn to you, why is, it, um, sorry, why is intelligence analysts important to tackle environmental crime? Environmental crimes are one of the most profitable transnational crimes, along with drugs, human trafficking and illicit goods. And the rates are growing every year. Also, the proceeds of environmental crimes are reportedly the largest source of income for armed groups and terrorist organizations. But in reality, the law enforcement as an institution is under-resourced. Um, and not all of the law enforcement institutions even have environmental crimes as part of their remit. And what's equally confusing in many jurisdictions, the responsibility for fighting environmental crimes is actually shared among many authorities with limited level of coordination between them. Uh, we also have the fact that organized crime groups which are involved in environmental crimes are often involved in other criminality and are being investigated by, by other units without them even knowing that anyone else is investigating them. Um, on top of that, you've got a, a, a huge number of NGOs involved in the fight against environmental crime, and each of them will just hold a piece of the puzzle. So this is resulting in a lot of information being generated without any central management capability to analyze it and to, to derive any meaningful insights and, and, and produce actionable intelligence from it. I have I have observed the implication of this, and I really think that this is one of the reasons of the low conviction rates in the environmental crime field today. So analysis is crucial because it identifies patterns and trends which are not only useful for informing us on, on the crime we are investigating now, but they can also help us to build an understanding about similar crimes in the future. So... This is allowing the enforcement community to plan better, to be more targeted um, in the allocation of their resources. Okay, so, so put, putting it rather crudely, is, is it a bit like um, analysis basically does the jigsaw from all the disparate pieces that are being found elsewhere? So like you know, how people in the field produce some data, other organisations and other enforcement bodies like the police are all, as you say, digging away at different aspects. Uh, of criminality, but what you can do is basically pull all that information together and get a more complete picture of what's going on. Is is that a fair summary? Very much so. And I really think that it's just the good intention of so many institutions and authorities around the world that create this confusion, unfortunately, not intended. But it's really down to analysis to understand what is it that we have and they don't have. And what's more important, what we don't have and they have that can actually complement each other. Excellent stuff. Uh, Mel, um, you, you obviously don't work in splendid isolation um, within AIA. H how do you and your team work alongside all the other roles in the organisation? Um, so we're a cross-campaign team. Uh, we do work with all the different campaigns and the departments, and um, that's the only way we can do our job because we need the information from all of the different teams to, to bring it all together. So we work really closely alongside the investigators, for example. Um, so when they're doing an investigation into 
maybe the, the trafficking of pangolin scales from Africa to Asia. The analysts will work really closely alongside them to look at what we already know and what they've collected and then make help them make decisions on where to look next um, and where the gaps are and what we know. Uh, and this then feeds into future investigation strategies or some of that information then might feed into confidential briefing to law enforcement. But on the other side, we will work with the campaigners um, and the researchers within EIA who um, might be doing more desk-based investigations and research and will help to make sense of some of that information as well and provide outputs around some of them, the main um, issues. So those five W's, which is what is commonly called the, the what, the who, the when, the where, the why. So we're looking at how it's done and, um, again, what we don't know. And some of that might feed into some public facing reports that are produced by campaigners within EIA to raise awareness about particular issues or, or gaps in knowledge. Uh, Martina, didn't it, sir? Um, Mel, Mel mentioned um, outputs. Could you give us some kind of idea of the kind of outputs that you produce to make sense of all the data that you've got coming in from the field? Okay. Um, the quickest and most basic intelligence product is the intelligence report. And I say quickest because it contains information which has been assessed and evaluated and which could be acted upon. Um, and as we mentioned earlier, we, we use law enforcement standards to write and format these reports because the final recipient of the Intel reports are often law enforcement agencies who actually have the power to act upon the information. And the Intel reports are like the building blocks, or as we said earlier, the pieces of the puzzle um, for developing analysis. Um, then the analytical products that we develop require time and more resources. And we normally develop uh, typologies which focus on, from the 5WH, it focuses on the how, uh, and usually describe the modus operandi of a particular crime type. Uh, but we also produce uh, intelligence assessments, which have more of a predictive character in the sense that they will look into everything we know about the crime problem um, and it will try to suggest uh, or forecast what it's likely to happen next. Um, Intel assessment can be operational or strategic, depending on the scale of the problem that it's looking at. Um, so to just to understand the difference between operational and strategic assessments, I would say operational assessments will look into everything we know about a specific case or, or an ongoing criminal investigation or a person or obviously a company or an organized crime group. And it will suggest how the criminal is likely to evolve and how changes in his or her environment are likely to affect them. And the, the purpose is actually to go beyond describing the crime and look into things like how and why the crime is committed. So it, it's very useful for law enforcement authorities because criminal proceedings are never straightforward and any sort of insights into the motives and motivations of, of criminals can help them follow and identify new leads that, that will hopefully bring the case to a successful prosecution. Um, Martina, you recently worked on a strategic assessment. Do you want to take over from here? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, like Denise said, we also produce strategic assessments. Um, the main purpose of which is to inform decision-making and planning. Basically, the strategic assessment looks at the bigger picture. So, for example, if we want to investigate ivory trafficking in a specific region of Africa, 
then we produce a strategic assessment which outlines what we know about ivory trafficking in that region, what we don't know and what we may want to find out. So the strategic assessment takes stock of available intelligence. It identifies gaps in knowledge um, and, and makes recommendations in terms of what are our priorities going forward. And these intelligence assessments, both um, operational and strategic assessments, are often supported by visual outputs. Um, for example, network charts, which show people involved in environmental crime and, and the connections between them. Another example of a visual output um, are maps. We create maps to visualize trade routes um, and hot hotspots to, to get a better understanding of illegal trade flows. Oh, thanks, Martina. Um, you touched there on, 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 on how you visualise what you do. Um, I imagine it must be quite a challenge to visualise all the data you get. I mean, it's a combination of everything from phone numbers and identities and snippets of information. And how, what kind of software do you use to um, pull it all together um, and to make it more coherent for our campaigners? Well, yeah, it can definitely be a challenge, but luckily we have the software um, to make our jobs easier. For example, to, to create the, the maps that I just mentioned, we use a geographic information system with which we can map uh, the movement of illegal products, but we can also map incidents uh, such as poaching. Then the network charts are created with, with an application that allows us to, to visualize people and, and their connections and, and organize them in a meaningful way. Uh, we also use a database application um, as Mel mentioned previously, for us, it is key that data is captured consistently, that it can be retrieved easily and, um, and, and analyzed efficiently. And, and in terms of how these outputs help our campaigners, I think, put very simply, they, they make complex matters understandable. Oh, I must admit, looking at some of the charts you guys produce, I'd need another guide to just to explain that to me. <laughs> they look like an enormous network, and it's it's quite fascinating to see that, yeah, you know, one particular trader mentioned somewhere is connected to three or four mobile numbers, and that one of those numbers is connected to yet another trader, possibly in a different country. It is quite fascinating stuff, um, and hats off for pulling it all together. Um, Obviously, things have been very different um, in the world since March, what with so many people working remotely due to the coronavirus pandemic around the world. But in the normal course of things, are the three of you usually desk-based or is there a need for your unique skill sets actually out in the field? In the normal course of things, we actually do provide real-time intel support in the field, but we actually travel for other reasons as well. For example, we assist our partner analytical units to build capacity in different areas, such as uh, case file management or operational tasking and coordination. Uh, last year, we spent several days with our partners looking into ways to upgrade their investigation case management processes, which part of which involved digitizing their case file management. And we introduced a new capability to allow their stuff search through case file information quicker and to establish links between different investigations. And in line with what Denise just said, um, we're also happy to share our knowledge of, of specialist software. Uh, so for example, if a 
partner organization decided that they want to use an application that we are already using, then we are happy to help them learn how to use it or how to set it up. I, I think that um, the exchange of knowledge is very important in our line of work. And not just the exchange of knowledge, it's also the exchange of the intelligence that we actually hold. So sometimes we will have to travel to meet with partner organisations or um, to meet with law enforcement agencies in other countries so we can actually share with them what we found um, in a confidential briefing um, and discuss how we might be able to disrupt an organised crime group or a network um, and then how we can work better together in the future um, and share information. And that kind of thing is always done better in person. Obviously this year um, it's all been virtual but hopefully in 2021 we'll be able to travel again and, and do some of these things i'll drink to that along with everybody else in the planet right now i think <laughs> um finally mel uh, what other advances in intelligence gathering tools or techniques do you think you three might find yourselves using in the future Ah, well, we wouldn't normally talk really specifically about um, techniques and tools. Um, obviously, that gives the game away to all the criminals, but um, fair, fair definitely... <laughs> in, in broader terms, <laughs> we're, <then>. <laughs> we're definitely seeing um, more organised criminals using so social media apps um, as a tool to facilitate their crim criminality and also the use of digital apps uh, to move money between people. So I think... Um, Definitely, we need to be looking more at uh, how to understand what different apps are used for communication and for, for money transfer, and that will help us understand illicit financial flows, for example. Um, as you know, technology moves really quickly, and keeping on top of all of that is, is a challenge, but I think that's probably quite key for us uh, and any kind of future intel work and investigations that we do within EIA. Very good. Well, Mel, Martina, Dinitza, thank you all so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Um, and if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please watch this space for future episodes and check out our website at eia-international.org to find out more about our work. Thanks for joining us and wherever you are, stay safe out there.